Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School podcast. We're at episode 95 and my guest today, well, this is her fourth time on the podcast, Uh, her second time flying solo without her partner in crime and metabolic health. Jeannie Rubin is the co-founder of East West Healing with her husband, Josh, aka the Real Food Gangsters. That's what, you know, they're known for on the gram. Uh, So I asked Jeannie to join me uh, for this episode to talk about taking control of your hormones. Uh, I wanted to get her on to chat about perimenopause and menopause and how we could powerfully transition. Uh, It is a topic I've been thinking quite a lot about lately, Uh, you know, around this concept of if we really do the work in our 20s, our 30s, and even our early 40s around uh, managing stress, healing our systems, strengthening our metabolisms, uh, you know, creating this like safety in our bodies and this, this strong uh, metabolic system, could we transition into perimenopause and menopause a lot later? And could we have a more powerful transition or we could also say a less shitty transition Uh, when we, you know, for a lot of women that are going through perimenopause and menopause, it's like a freaking roller coaster ride and they can have a really hard time with it. There's a lot going on hormonally, which we'll talk through in the podcast episode and Some women have a really tough time with it. So this podcast episode was kind of birthed out of, yeah, this, you know, this topic that I'm thinking quite a lot about. A lot of the women that I work with are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. And what if, you know, we could help the young people in our lives? What if we could teach, you know, our daughters, our sisters, our friends who are in their 20s and their 30s and maybe even, you know, their early 40s uh, to build up these strong systems to essentially build up their uh, their resiliency, their tolerance to stress. And, and we talk about this in the, the podcast episode. Uh, this transition could be really cool and a lot easier. Anyway, so... Today on the uh, on the episode, we talk about uh, a little bit about Jeannie's hormone story, uh, which we haven't done on previous podcast episodes. We also talk about how we should do things that scare the shit out of us. So coming on the podcast actually scares the shit out of her, but she does it anyway. So we start the episode off with a cool little story uh, about you know doing things that scare us. Then we dive into the science of perimenopause and menopause. You know, we talk about what the hell is happening, what should happen, what shouldn't happen. Uh, so we get a little sciencey, and then we talk about stress 
stress resiliency, nutrition. Uh, we talk about how we can prepare ourselves better, uh, support our physiology better. We talk about interventions like HRT, progesterone, castor oil packs, nutrition, and so much more. There's so much in this episode. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. Uh, you know, even if you're only in your 20s and you're thinking, you know, what does this have anything to do with me? Because perimenopause and menopause is so far away. Uh, it's actually, you know, it's not. And if we do the work decades before we get to this stage of our lives, we could have a lot more fun. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, my biggest takeaway was take control of your hormones. You know, we have the power to control our hormones. The metabolism controls the hormones, but, um, you know, we, we can do the work to strengthen the metabolism and, uh, you know, build our food foundation, therefore, you know, controlling our hormones. Okay, Warrior Woman, enjoy this episode with Jeannie Rubin on taking control of your hormones. Welcome to the Warrior School podcast, the podcast for women who train. I believe lifting weights, knowing our cycles and training with them is the future of women's training. I also believe this training, nutrition and health stuff shouldn't feel so goddamn hard and we should all feel strong and confident. So this is your go-to show for practical information to build a stronger and healthier body. You'll find content on training, nutrition, hormones and tons of experts who want to help you get stronger and healthier. I am your teacher, Amy Bow, coach, dietitian and the creator of Warrior School. Okay, Warrior Woman, let's do this. There we go. She tells us when we start. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it means we get the green light from the yes. Zoom lady. Yeah. Isn't that funny? <laughs> this is like your fourth time on the podcast. I'm so excited about that because I, you know, I'm not the one that really gets out there, you know, as much as my, my partner, right. Who tends to be, <laughs> you can't get him to stop talking, <laughs> which is why he does it so well and beautifully. Right. It's kind of, that's his thing. And so I'm very, it's, it's exciting to be here, although I won't lie. It's a little nerve wracking for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. It's just what it is. It's all part of my story, which we'll talk not about my story, but just life. You know, it's like these little things that we learn about ourselves are so important when we speak about hormones, given everything is, you know, related. If you can't, how we speak, how we breathe, how we think, how we eat, how we move, all of it relates, right? So yeah. just for everybody out there, this scares the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> oh, I love that. And actually, okay, okay. You know how many years I've been wanting to say that? <laughs> I don't want the energy to be here anymore. We're moving it, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> well, this is this is your second solo with me. So I know, I know. And I love it. I love talking with you. You make it very easy. Thank you. We're going to turn turn you into a pro, a podcast <laughs> pro. I was telling my son about that last night, you know, because he tends to really kind of hold back on things that he doesn't know he's great at, right? And I was explaining, I'm doing something tomorrow that really scares me. You know what I mean? But I know that if I keep doing it, I said, you know what's going to happen next time I do it? It's going to be less scary. You know what's going to happen the next time I do it? It's going to be less scary. And you know what's going to happen the next time I do it? I might actually enjoy it. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it's actually going to become fun for me. I know that because it already has, you know, I've really allowed myself to kind of get into this comfort space a little bit more over the years. So it's a gradual, but definitely positive direction. And that's, uh, that's a really important conversation to have, not just with our children, but even with ourselves is, you know, we, especially, well, growing up myself, you know, I was raised by a mom that was like, you know, we don't do things that we're not good at. We do things Mm. that we're, you know, really good at. Yeah. 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 And so with this like whole perfectionistic kind of don't fail, you know, perspective on life that, you know, I've worked through and now Mm -hmm. I do so many things that scare the shit out of me (laughs) and like, I don't want to do them. And it's a bit uncomfortable, creates a lot of friction, but I think having those conversations with our children is so important is that, yeah, you might get some funny feelings inside and be nervous and a little scared, but because we don't know what to expect, but the more times we do those things, the more comfortable, you know, we can Absolutely. get, uh, which is kind of a really cool segue into what I would love to talk about today. Uh, when we think about like perimenopause and menopause and then transition into that phase of our life, that's really scary and really like it can be really uncomfortable and it's like unknown. And so I've been become a little bit obsessed with this, uh, you know, how can we support women to like prepare themselves and set themselves up for success to like go through this transition. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'd love to speak about that today. Oh gosh, <laughs> perimenopause, such a good time, right? I'm going to start by saying I am under no circumstances a, a, an expert in this field, right? But I am a perimenopausal woman. I have suffered with hormone deficiencies or issues since the start of my cycle at the age of 10, right? It's kind of what led me into this work. Um, And I've worked alongside many of women over the last 20 years and observed, you know, lots of different patterns in how this looks, right? Um, You know, perimenopause is a transition and we all know, you know, it's, it's, there's, what do we say, mid thirties to late forties is kind of this period of perimenopause. So it's, you know, it can be over a decade long that we're experiencing these fluctuations. And essentially, you know, when we speak the science of perimenopause or menopause, it's very simple. You know, it's, it's the, it's the decline in our hormones, right? We, we have these normal cycles for many years, Um, Once we start our cycle, what it can be 26 to 28 days for some women, it's 30 days plus. Um, And, you know, again, the whole purpose of the cycle is for implantation, procreation, growing a baby, right? 
over the years, what begins to happen is that we stop producing these hormones as much, right? We don't have as many um, eggs that we may have had when we were younger. And so we move into these anovulatory phases where when a woman starts to move into that phase of life, again, that drop in progesterone, right? If you're not ovulating, which signals the brain to start producing the um, corpus luteum, right? Once that follicle starts to burst, that's what happens as we start to produce progesterone. When we're not doing that, it no longer, we don't, we're not producing that hormone, right? And that is where you'll start to see an ovulatory cycles where a woman is not ovulating. And, you know, there's so many different phases to this. And as we move through those periods of life, we're going to get you know, these highs and lows, estrogen starts to go wacko, right? But we're still producing. And what happens, Amy, is that in these anovulatory cycles, because we still are producing estrogen, a woman, I can't remember the exact ratios, but it's quite significant to the amount of estrogen that will continue to produce versus the amount of progesterone. It's very, very minimal on the progesterone, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we will have these highs of estrogen, and we'll have these lows, but really quickly before I go there, my mind's going a million miles an hour. Um, women don't know it's coming because they will continue to cycle, right? They will have the symptoms of menopause, be it hot flashes, weight gain, water retention, mood swings, things like that, but they're still having cycles. So we look at this as an estrogen dominance per se, right? That's a big buzzword right now is this estrogen dominance. And I want to say a couple of things about that is a, it's never typically an estrogen dominance as much as it is a progesterone deficiency. Right. Mm -hmm. And then again, when there is an estrogen deficiency, it's very rare. Right. Um, but it can happen. I do want to say that it can happen. It is something we're seeing a lot more of today. And we'll talk a little bit more about why we're seeing that. Um, but you know, essentially then we're moving into menopause in our fifties and whatnot, some women earlier, where it's the cessation of that cycle. We just, we're not cycling any longer. We're, we're not producing, estrogen will drop, right? So we're not producing that estrogen to signal that cycle, that release that, of all that um, endometrial lining, right? Mm. So, um, you know, again, and that's essentially what it is. And, you know, unfortunately in Western cultures, it's looked and perceived, I'm so sorry, excuse me, as such a negative thing where in other cultures, it is a transition in life. It's a deepening into a spiritual awareness. There's a wisdom to it, right? Mm -hmm. And we ask the question, well, why? why? Why do we look at it as like a death sentence, right? And we're all dried up and we're, you know, there's no sexuality anymore. And we're just <laughs> like these old hags, you know? And um, I think it comes down to lifestyle, it really, really does. It comes down to lifestyle. And we can really see that nowadays because we are seeing this in 20-year-olds, right? We're seeing 20-year-olds with no cycles. We see them having, you know, losing cycles. I mean, we had one client who, um, she's 21, I believe. I, I might get her ages wrong a little bit. But she was, she had not had a cycle since the age of 16, right? She had like one cycle her entire life. And you have to be aware, again, that this is a woman who has a history of eating disorder and whatnot. So there's many layers here. And I think that that's the most important thing is to understand how in control we are of these hormones, right? 
Yeah. Lifestyle, the way we eat, the way we think. And as we were speaking about earlier, the way we move, the way we breathe, our emotions, they are all connected to our ability to be able to regulate those hormones. Right. But, you know, again, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it now, I'm going to say it again and again and again, that you have the ability to control this. And Diane Schwarzbein, we always share her saying, you know, your hormones control your metabolism, but you control your hormones. Right. And I think that's what, you know, before we get into the deeper parts of it, what I want women to hear first and foremost is how much they are in control here. Oh, I just got a big smile and I'm like nodding and nodding and nodding because that's so powerful. I, yeah, I love that. And so important uh, that, you know, we are in control of our hormones. And when we go through this transition phase, you know, a lot of the culture believes that there's just, you know, there's no control. It's just going to happen and it's going to suck. Absolutely. And for a lot of women, I'm going to be honest, it does because they don't again, recognize that it's coming, you know, and we all have a certain level of resiliency in our bodies, right? We all have a story that begins very early on from, from conception to this present moment. And as I said, you know, I've been struggling with hormones since the start of my cycle. And probably before that I started at 10. Like, I remember the day I was in the bathroom. My parents were on a cruise. My coach from my elementary school was babysitting us. And I'm like, we're on the way to the beach. I'm like, um, (laughs) my mother never talked to me about these things. I didn't know what to do. It was just a terrible time. And it's such a young age. Right. But, um, I totally lost where I was going with that. No, like, I love this because I haven't actually heard like your story. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when we jump on the podcast, we're always like, okay, we're on this mission to talk about this thing. (laughs) But I would love if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your story. Um, Sure. Well, that's where I was going. Thank you for the reminder of that level of resiliency. So we don't realize how longstanding, how deeply our hardwiring goes, right? So for me, I was handed my mother's nervous system and my mother who had birthed five children, who was pregnant for, you know, 10, well, what are we all two years apart? There's five of us for about 10, 11 years straight. She was pregnant or nursing and a woman, you know, if we speak to it just from that perspective, loses 10% of her minerals every time she gives, she grows and births a baby, right? (gasps) And that's not even, you know, taking into consideration motherhood, right? From one child to two to three to four to five, what she did, right? So we're looking at that aspect of it. So there's, you know, people are coming in at greater levels of mineral deficiencies than they ever did. And when you put me on that spectrum and given my mom and her story and her life and how it had an effect on her, I I don't want to say I was doomed from the (laughs) get-go. Sometimes and I'll say along my, my, um, <laughs> my journey that I've, I've fallen into moments of that. Right. Uh, but it has set the stage and it did set the stage. And I think that that's the most important thing to understand is what we're experiencing right now in this transition has to do with all of our experiences and it has to do with our level of resiliency. Because again, Some women have a lot more resiliency, so they don't experience the symptoms of low energy, low metabolism, sleep, lack of sleep, um, you know, exercise intolerance. A lot of these things that we're seeing with metabolic deficiencies, right? They don't suffer from those things or there's not enough awareness. So there could be a little bit of both. 
but once they hit that transition, all shit breaks loose. You know what I mean? And they are like, what is happening? This just happened overnight. You know, I don't know what to do about this. And then we begin to see that, okay, we've got, there's a long history here, A, and then there's an accumulation of things that are taking place over years. Because again, a lot of these women have had children, right? A lot of these women have been kind of seduced by these ideas around health and nutrition and weight loss and, you know, have, have run the gamut as far as that is concerned and um, really depleted their bodies. So when they move into that transition, it can be very, very aggressive. And so I've noticed with my own process and healing and recovering, you know, being in charge of my hormones, right? Because I do believe we are who we are at the core. Like we will always be who we are. We can build resiliency to that, but we are still who we are. And we come from where we come from and our conditions, our beliefs, our responses are deeply a piece of who we are, right? We learn how to be in relationship with them more deeply as we move through the healing process. We identify them more clearly. We respond to them more than react to them, right? There's all of those pieces uh, which is the beauty of healing because you get to see all of this and in all these opportunities that present themselves. Um, however, we have to learn how to do that, right? We have to learn how to navigate that space and to understand our bodies more deeply so that we know when we're having these huge fluctuations in our hormones, right? Because, you know, when we talk about hormone regulation, everyone's looking at the hormone, Right. They're looking downstream instead of upstream to where it's causing that hormone amounts. And we just want to treat the hormone. We just want to get it back to normal. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But there's, so there's so many other pieces to the puzzle and, and, you know, to keep it, keep it quite um, simple is that, that, what is that five letter word? No, a six letter word (laughs) stress. It's at the root of it all. Right. That is what's driving this. And when you've got stress, you've got mineral deficiencies, you've got, you know, now we've got cellular issues, we've got cellular deficiencies going all the way into the cell, right? And then that hormone's kind of next, like it's, it's an effect of that ability to be able to regulate that, right? But we don't want to look over here. We don't want to look at yes. the stresses because we <laughs> identify them as being financial, relational, you know what I mean? Potentially environmental. I think we're learning a lot more about what a stress is at the depth of it, right? Um, But, you know, so just being aware that there's many, many variables leading up and that we have to manage the stress piece of it first and foremost. And this doesn't mean that we have to shut our lives down or get rid of our husbands or our children and things like that, because that's not realistic, right? Um, but we do have to take notice of how food affects us. When do we need to be eating? How do we need to be moving? Um, what are our triggers, right? How do we respond to them? How can we do it differently, right? Where are we? How am I doing, <laughs> you know? all of these things. And that is something that takes practice and it takes patience and it takes understanding, right? And gentleness and kindness and all of those different pieces that we as a culture have not been um, introduced to in the right ways throughout our lives. 
Yes. Yeah. And also uh, harder to do maybe if you're on that roller coaster ride, you're in that transition and you're it can be really difficult to do. And that's why I think, you know, when I what I how I explain it to my clients is like, you know, because everyone's always, well, how how do you guys differ than you know another program or whatnot? And um, and it really is pulling in the, the awareness piece, right? Because we have to become aware. There's not a protocol out there. There is not, there's not, there's not a supplement out there, right? No amount of Vitex or anything like that is going to get your hormones regulated without your attention to it, right? And that's the most important thing. And that's where, you know, and we, and it's not going to happen overnight because you're literally rewiring a neurological pathway. And that's another thing, right? It's the repetition. It's the consistency. It's the structure and the rhythm that you're building into your life that really supports that. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be jagged edges, right? It doesn't mean that you're not going to hit the wall here there because you are, that's just the process, right? But I love when people begin to apply the tools, right? And we can, we'll talk more deeply about that. Apply the tools, begin to feel the differences, and then they fall back into their old habits and behaviors. And then they get to really experience the difference. That is such an incredibly important piece of the healing process and around, and I always, you know, I say the healing process, but the healing process includes that rewiring, right? It involves that ability for us to regulate and, and produce and regulate. Cause oftentimes when we speak to hormones, especially when we come, come at it from a cellular perspective and energy perspective, thyroid, adrenal, people aren't even producing them. They don't have the resources on board to do that. So you couple that with, again, all of the different lifestyle variables. There's, it's a building effect. We have to build. We have to yeah. rebuild that foundation, right? Yeah. <gasps> Okay, there's so so much in that. Okay. Uh, like my you're gonna have to guide me because I'm like I'm like going a million miles an hour. So okay, I guess there's a couple of different pieces that uh, we can come at it from a couple of different angles. One is like if we're like in it, you know, we're in perimenopause, we're in this transition. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear those tools and and what that looks like to support the body. And also, is it different to if you're working with someone who's in their like 20s or 30s, you know, and we, we want to build this resiliency uh, to go through the transition maybe a little easier, or a little better? Do the two look different? Would you approach it differently? It, it's, you know, it, it can, depending on, it, you know, obviously age is going to factor into it, right? Is a woman already in that transitional period, already in menopause? How long has she been there? What is, you know, is she doing any HRT, things like that? What, what kind of HRT? Um, is it necessary? You know, there's a lot of variables to consider, but in the beginning, so we're always speaking about this foundation, right? When we speak about foundation, our goal with nutrition is to create physiological regulation. And I'll speak to you more from a circadian rhythm perspective. We have a very specific pattern that we follow hormonally each day. And it does look like a little bit of a bell curve, right? And this is why women can track fertility or infertility with, we use body temperature and pulse. So we use that to help women identify or people identify how they're able to regulate throughout the day. And that allows us to begin to understand a little bit about their resiliency, um, about their ability to digest, 
right? About their ability to regulate what's going, what else is happening in their day, because we're looking at all of these things, right? And then we begin to utilize their nutrition to stabilize the physiology. So let's speak to energy deficiencies, right? When somebody, you're either producing energy or you're producing inflammation. Those are your two options, right? Because we have such an extraordinary amount of environmental stresses, right? We have a very, you know, confused idea around what healthy nutrition is. We are very, um, we're doers. The more we do, the better we feel, essentially, right? In our heads, in our minds, um, not necessarily in our bodies. Um, so I keep losing my train of thought here. <laughs> Pull me back in, reel me back okay, in. Okay, okay. Um, hold on, where are you going? You were going with, I was just so like, I was like in there listening. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I need to stay like present, like where I am right now. So I'm trying to think of what I'm where I'm going next. Um, no, I, I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, so I think I'm speaking about, about your energy, foundation, your about foundation, energy, um, the exchange, right? So we have all these different things that we're up against that essentially keep our bodies physiologically in a chronically stressed state. So we're always coming at everything from an energy perspective, cellular energy. Are we able to produce ATP water, carbon dioxide? Can that happen, right? And we need glucose, we need carbs, we need minerals, we need oxygen, we need all these things to be able to do that. So we know that if we can do that, then we can tone down some of those stress hormones, right? And we know that food is exactly what we were designed to be able to produce that energy with, right? So we very strategically take food and we look at somebody's physiology and their story and history and where they're coming from and where they're at, and we begin to tone down that noise, right? All those stress hormones that are having to compensate in place of that lack of energy that the body has, right? So we take that and we, we layer that. So we begin to meet the body with what it needs when it needs it with that nutrition. <clears throat> and in doing that, we are creating rhythm. We're creating structure, right? We're starting to pay down some of that energy debt that we're mm -hmm. in, right? Many people coming to us have, you know, um, they're well below the red in their bonus energy budget. <laughs> And they've, they've borrowed a million dollars against that account, right? So not only we have to slowly pay that back, but we have to get the body in a position so that it can receive what it is we are doing, right? Because as we tone down those hormones, now we've got other systems coming online, right? We've got those adrenals quieting down. We've got that th thyroid upregulating. We've got that digestion quieting down and being able to produce those enzymes we need to be able to retain that nutrition and make it work for us, right? So there's so many things that are starting to happen. And now when we take the burden off those adrenals, we're taking the burden off that HPA axis that is so deeply connected to the gonads, those reproductive organs and hormones and the way that they're produced, right? So that entire axis is starting to recover itself. So once we do that and we're building on that from meal to meal, day to day, week to week, month to month, right? Because a woman is learning, how do I care for myself in my life? How do I regulate up against these stresses that have overcome my body, right? We begin to build resiliency, right? We begin to replenish 
that debt. We begin to build those minerals back up that we need because we know that when we're talking about hormone production, cholesterol is a key component, right? And without that thyroid hormone, without that vitamin A, without all of those, you know, I forget there's a a trillion minerals that we need in order Mm. to create that conversion from cholesterol to pregnenolone to DHEA, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, right? So we see this very naturally occur in younger women. They can really get a hold on this because their bodies at that age many times have a tendency to have a lot of more resiliency than women who are in their later phases of life, right? Well, well, let me let me take that back. They don't need hormone replacement. We will never put a 20-year-old, even a 30-year-old on hormone replacement, right? Because their bodies will more likely than not be able to produce those hormones on their own once we create that foundation and give it the best opportunity to do that, right? Same is true for women who are deeper into perimenopause, like myself. I know very well how to structure my nutrition, right? I know very well when estrogen is surging, right? I know very well when it's dipping, right? I know when I need to use progesterone if I need to use it because I am somebody who my entire life has struggled with producing hormones, right? Because my stress physiology has been so amplified for so long, right? Mm -hmm. So, but now that I'm very aware and I can tune in, I'm very familiar with that. And that's something that's really important to perimenopausal women because they'll want to go have their hormones tested, right? And what they don't understand is they can test their hormones at 8 a.m. and get one reading and test them at 10 a.m. and get another reading. So I think it's useless, to be quite honest, to test a woman's hormones. You know what I mean? Unless there's, you know, unless there's, they want to conceive, which again, there's a baseline, have the baseline, understand the baseline, but it doesn't change the process of how to get there and how to really regulate. I can't tell you how many babies have been conceived the RTN method. <laughs> it's like crazy, right? Especially if I get to dive deeper into my own story, right? It's just like, ah! <laughs> I don't know that I'm ready to go there yet. Maybe yeah. another time, but um, you can, you can imagine. So Once we do start to do that, then we can get more clarity, right? Once we tone down that noise and create more balance in the system, we're going to get more clarity of, do we need more support here, right? And and then we can look more deeply into how we can pull that support without triggering the rest of the system. Because what's really um, popular these days is to utilize progesterone. If a woman skips the cycle, she goes straight to progesterone, right? Or I shouldn't say straight to it, but it's a common um, theme, right? With a lot of conversation about if I'm estrogen dominant, that means I need progesterone. Let me take progesterone. When again, none of those other variables have been managed. And when that, that pathway is deficient, you know, again, progesterone is a precursor to cortisol, right? So everything is going to bypass. There is a hierarchy here, Right, which is why, again, we often see when we talk about stress in the relationship to um, amenorrhea and women who are skipping cycles, um, we can see that stress response, right? The body's having to utilize that energy for other sources that are more important than the conception of a child because right now the body can never tolerate that. And I was listening to an interview the other day about how, how even energetically the body considers the fact that 
when you conceive a child, which I thought was really interesting, that you have to think about the energy it takes to raise that child for 18 years. We're not just talking about the birth of a child. (laughs) We're talking about the whole, the whole thing, you know, which I felt, you know, I think that we don't tie enough into that energetic body of ours that really understands and the wisdom of the body is so profound, you know, So I think that that's another really important thing for women to understand. But when you begin to know how to work your nutrition in alignment with your physiology, now you can begin to take control of your hormones a little bit more. Now, when you feel those fluctuations, there are a lot more, you're a lot more aware of what they are, right? Like, how does it feel when you're having an estrogen surge, right? And it's higher than that progesterone or you're having a dip, right? And a lot of women will experience that through dryness, um, pain, like pain during sex, or just the dryness through sex, um, um, mood, the mood swings, obviously the weight gain, things like that can be, you know, just those big highs and lows of that hormone going crazy. And then again, not enough progesterone support, speaking to somebody more in perimenopause, closer to menopause, right? So you can very strategically support the body with a little bit of progesterone therapy. Yes. Yeah. Never without a foundation, because again, of those pathways, we have to make sure those have been right at first. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from like, you know, in our, like our teens, our early twenties, our thirties, all the way through is this foundation piece is this, there's a hierarchy, you know, we're coming back to the base of the pyramid of like, if we don't learn about stress and energy and our cell and our metabolism and, and creating our food strategy and nourishing our body, you know, we can't jump up to the top of the pyramid, which is like, using the you know using the progesterone or or doing this specific thing or this Mm. yeah we need to build that the whole way through uh now my question for you like in your work in the last 20 years have you noticed if a woman has built that foundation earlier on like in her 20s and her 30s is her is her experience like better or easier or does perimenopause and menopause actually come on later? Is there like a correlation to that? Like the stronger she is metabolically, the more resilient she has. I um, think that that's a hundred percent true. I yeah. think that absolutely, because you're not going to get those major, you know, peaks and valleys, which can, that are, that come um, along with again, energy deficiencies, blood sugar regulation, you know, the effect of insulin and all these things. There's so many variables too, but to keep it simplified, yes, if somebody is more physiological, physiologically regulated and there's more resiliency in the system, there's going to be less of a onset of these radical symptoms that come with perimenopause and menopause. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And I like, I haven't looked into a lot of the research about that. I'm not even sure if it's very rare. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What actually the other day I was preparing for a presentation that I did for BC athletics. And I just went back into the, the science and the research on the menstrual cycle and performance. And there's not a lot on us, uh, but I found this astonishing statistic that between 2014 and 2021, only 6% of the research was done exclusively on females. (laughs) Help me understand that. (laughs) 
Bro, like 6% of all the sport and exercise research that they did between that time frame was only done exclusively on females because wow. we're so hard to study because, yes. of, our, <laughs> because of our cycles. Yes. I came across that statistic and I was like, that is crazy and sad and infuriating uh but like I also understand if we're in this chronic state of stress and our hormones are like a mess and there's then we add birth control in and we add perimenopause in there's just so much going on that for researchers is a bit of a nightmare (laughs) to study but I couldn't find any research that really supports this you know this idea of if we can create this stronger foundation. If we can teach, you know, our children and, and the young people to be like, okay, this is, you know, the foundation. You're not only going to go through your cycle years, you know, yeah. more stable, but you're going to go through this transition maybe yeah. a lot later, maybe more powerfully, maybe easier. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just thought, I, th- I thought that was. It is very interesting. It's also interesting to, to speak to women and to really observe how little women know about their cycles. You know, it's just not something that has ever really been, I don't know. I don't think it's taboo. I don't know exactly why we don't talk about it other than I have no idea why we haven't talked about it. It's blown my mind. How I don't know where I am in my cycle. I don't even know how to track the cycle. Like some, so many women saying this, you know, or, um, you know, and, and there's so much opportunity there because as we track cycles from follicular to ovulation through luteal, you know, women experience their bodies so differently from one phase to another. And without, you know, um, measuring hormones, you can begin to see, are we overproducing? Are we underproducing? Are we having an ovulatory or an unovulatory cycle? Which means where is our progesterone going to be, right? What could that luteal phase be? Are we going to have a luteal failure? If we do, now we understand it more deeply, right? But also how do our needs change? at different phases of our cycle, right? A lot of women, when we get into that luteal phase, there's a lot more heat in the body. There's a lot more energy in the body that needs to be supported with nutrition differently, right? Um, When we are, you know, having a cycle, again, speaking exercise, right? We have these people who are just so regimented in their schedule and they have to do what they have to do when they have to do it. And there's no room for movement or there's not even a consideration for how can I adapt based on where I am. So we can continuously build on how we, how to meet ourselves, where we are at all levels at all times. And it's not like we're always in our head about it or focusing on it. It becomes very natural. It becomes very intuitive because we are intuitive beings, right? And the more awareness we develop, the more we're able to confidently settle into that intuition and trust it a little bit more. Right. So I think, yeah, there's, um, it can get really tricky. (laughs) It can get really tricky. But like I said, the first step is to tune in, right? To observe. And I always tell women, think of yourself as you're, you know, you're at the top of a movie theater, the very back of the movie theater, and you're looking down on your life, yourself in your life. And that's what you're observing is you in your life, right? And because when we talk about where do we begin, right? It's identifying, it's coming to terms, it's being honest with ourselves. What isn't working right now, right? So we can start to minimize those stresses. We can start to reduce them and not, again, by excluding them, right? It's just, okay, well, how can I do that one thing differently, right? Then we work on that one thing, 
you know, and again, I know everybody wants all of this yesterday. I get it. I was, I've been there. I speak to people every single day. It's like, you know, why isn't this happening faster? Um, Getting so frustrated and, you know, discouraged. And I'm like, wow, you know, like I have a, a client right now, you know, you see her labs and she's on fire. She's on fire. And there's a, there's a lot in a good way, like not not on a fire is in like, she's just her whole body's and there's a lot of inflammation. Right. And she jumped into this metabolic world way before working with me. And there's a lot of information, you know, and, and a lot of carb loading that people are doing. And they're going from, you know, having never had carbs, eating two meals a day to eating six meals a day and overloading on carbohydrates. And that is a recipe for disaster, Right. So we're trying to unravel all of that mess, but we see where she's come. And I'm like, you've got to give yourself some patience. And I always focus on what is and where have we come and what are you doing now? And how do you feel every single day? Because I think that's such an important thing to continuously revisit, right? Mm-hmm. Put things into perspective, look, look, go more broad and look at the bigger picture here. Um, but again, she can identify that. Okay. I am sleeping better. I can see when I don't sleep better. What's causing that is often exercise, right? It's always exercise a lot of the times, or again, it's when the demand is again, exceeding that body's ability to be able to meet that demand, which is that stress, right? Um, we see that lack of that lack of sleep come in there, but nevertheless, um, we went through that whole conversation and it was like, okay, now I can settle into it. And it's a constant conversation that women need to have with their friends, with themselves, with their practitioner, because it's, um, it is frustrating. I'm not, it's not, it's frustrating, right? It can be frustrating at times because, you know, when you, when you're doing what you should be doing, And then we have these big fluctuations and you still don't understand them because it takes time. It takes years to understand your body, you know? Um, But when you take a step back and you look at the bigger picture, it's just that perspective that we have to continue to revisit and where am I coming from and what has my story been and how has that been for me and all the different pieces, you know, all of that is so pertinent to the conversation. Yeah. Years, years. I say this so often, you know, not yeah. weeks, not months, years, years. like probably a good solid 10. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, 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 yes, yes, you're right. No, it does. I think what, you know, and, and some people are always a little, you know, afraid to say this, but you know, the healing process, everybody <laughs> is a lifetime. It's a lifetime, you know, but when you have your foundation, again, you're in control of it, you know, and and I feel, you know, coming into this work, it's been a game changer for me. It really has. I mean, if you could know me 20, 25 years ago, I, you don't know, you never knew what you were going to get from me. Right. You just didn't know. I didn't know. And I couldn't, it was uncontrollable. Right. It was just, and I thought that was just who I was. And I thought that was natural. And it was always, oh, all the women in our family have those issues and we're all the same. And I'm like, well, this is not normal. (laughs) And that's when I I moved away. I moved from California to the Hawaiian Islands for, I was there for 10 years and got this whole other experience of myself was like, I wanted to explore that. I wanted to know more deeply what that was, right? I started to connect to my spirituality at another level. I was raised in a very, very 
religious home where there was one way, right? Nothing I ever really could connect to, but this I was connecting to. So that kind of started this whole process for me and has evolved significantly over the years. But that was what really did it. It was like, oh, wait a second, this isn't normal. And this isn't how I have to feel, right? But yeah. even in that moment, it was more nutritious food. It was sunlight. It was rest. It was play right? It was all of those things that we strongly encourage our clients to engage in, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's so many women who we speak to who have been in this process of healing and in these extreme highs and lows. And, you know, so many women are put on medications for depression and things like that because their bodies are just in such chaotic spaces, right? Um, and it's, um, oh, damn, I lost my train of thought again. <laughs> It's so funny how just boom, just like, ah, wherever they're going. Uh, you were talking about like uh, food, sunlight to like regulate the system, but a lot of women you work with yes. are put so on. They're put on these, you know, antidepressants and they're put on other hormone therapies or thyroid hormone or whatever it may be. Um, and then we talk to them and, and we are looking at their histories and we're looking at, you know, what do you, what do you, what are the things you love to do? What are your passions? You know, and there's this whole list of passions. And so how often do you do this? And it's like, it's been years. And it's like, that's a perfect starting point, right? Yeah. Because we can talk food all day long. We can talk supplements all day long, but emotions trump it all. You know what I mean? And I always, I always use the word resources. That's where your power is, whether it's in the food that you love or the activity that you love or the people that you love, what that is where your power is, right? That's where you're going to gain your strength and your momentum to support all that other stuff, yeah. right? So I think that we, you know, when it comes to our hormones, it's such a bigger picture than just my hormones are out of balance. You know, I'm having these severe fluctuations. Well, how are you living and how is yes. that going for you? Yes. You know, oh, one of my other favorite questions is how are you actually living? And do yes. you actually love your life? Now, I don't mean yes. you have to love your life every day, but no. like in every minute, but you have to like love your life. You have to enjoy your life, you know, yes, and really look at how are you actually living? Mm -hmm. um, yes. Very, very important part of getting um, happy hormones, right? Is to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> we have to align it <laughs> so true. with each other. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. But All I right. think we've yeah, built like the bottom of this, like we've talked so much about the bottom of this, like pyramid. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like you said, it's not just about food or just about training. There's like so many layers to it, emotional, mm -hmm. spiritual, looking at our life, our relationships, our environment, our job, like all of these things. And then as we move up the pyramid, I'd love to just talk a little bit about, you know, how are some weight ways that where do you work with women like to specifically support progesterone or what about women who are in like menopause and are on HRT? Can we have mm -hmm. a, like, can we have a bit of a conversation about, you know, these women that are a little higher up on mm -hmm. this pyramid? Okay. So the foundations always, like I said, foundations are going to be the same. Yeah. We do have women, like I had a client recently who, when she would ovulate, <clears throat> excuse me, for the week after her ovulation, she just 
was insomnia, severe insomnia. You know, it was just constant insomnia, insomnia, insomnia after that. And she's got a high stress lifestyle as well. She's got an autistic child. She's homeschooling these kids. She's, it's very difficult for her emotionally. Her story is very similar to my story as far as where she comes from. Um, so you see that extreme in her, right? Those, those big, big hormonal shifts and fluctuations and her, how her body responds to it. Um, we built the foundation. We did every, she was very, very committed. She was very consistent. Um, some months were better than other months, right? As we're speaking to this, those significant changes that we can experience from month to month, but becoming more aware of that. And what, that's what she did is she took a step back and she watched those patterns and we watched them together. And Finally, it became, it became apparent that there could be some support here with progesterone. Second, we put her on progesterone. She started sleeping like a baby and it's in, she's off and running. She's doing her thing, right? She's just, she's, she's, she's moving through and she's thriving, you know? So there's those situations where it's very supportive and can be very helpful. Um, I use supplemental progesterone now. I love it. I think it works really well for me, right? Um, I have been using it just for the last couple of years. I'm four, I'm going to be 48 next month, right? It's about that time I started my cycle when I was 10. And that yeah. matters to when somebody's going to start moving into those phases, how early or how late someone started their menstruation, right? So, um, so for me, it's very effective. I have had, I've had women who, you know, again, there's, there's such a, a delicateness to their nervous systems, to their bodies, to their, you know, where they are in their healing, where if you even dabble with it, their whole bodies light up, they just can't tolerate it. Right. But this is speaking to how long it takes for somebody to build, right? When somebody's that reactive to something, we are seeing that those mineral deficiencies, that ability to regulate is still not as grounded as we'd like it to be right? And we have to keep moving with that. Sometimes again, we can utilize small, small amounts, very, very titrated amounts where we can get a positive response. But oftentimes when they're that lit up, it's not worth it. You can't do it. Or you can do, um, you know, other forms like topical creams versus a gel, things like that. The, the different size types are going to work differently in the body depending on the person. So there's not a one size fits all when it comes to hormones either. Right. Um, and then we have our women who are in menopause, who are on HRT, many of them on testosterone, DHEA, estrogen, and progesterone. Um, first and foremost, any women out there supplementing with just estrogen, um, stop <laughs> hands down, stop. Right. Um, it is, it had, there's, there's research after research, study after study showing the effects of estrogen on the body unopposed by progesterone. And keep in mind that if you have more fat tissue, because estrogen is produced in the fat, as well as the ovaries, as well as the adrenal glands, right. Um, post or in menopause that there, that adipose tissue will still produce that estrogen, that adrenal glands will still produce that estrogen. So we do still make it now progesterone again, not the same, the same is not true. We drop significantly and we cannot produce that. So oftentimes, again, in alignment with metabolic issues, that ability to detoxify estrogen, that regulation of it all, that's why we want that foundation there first, right? We want to clear the liver. We want to build the, the resources to be able to detox. So we're getting a clearer picture of everything. Um, 
But again, they do really well with proper HRT, right? With a very fine balance of estrogen and progesterone. Um, Some need it, some don't. And I think this comes down to the level of resiliency. What has their story been through life, Mm. right? How did they come into this? Um, For women who do show signs of low to estrogen, which is possible because they're just not producing any hormones, Oftentimes, again, we're always wanting to come from the higher pathway. So pregnenolone, cholesterol is converted to pregnenolone. It's that mother hormone, right? Sometimes you can use that and write the pathways very easily. That is not always true for everybody, right? But it is working at the top of the pathway, which will feed the rest of, again, like I said, testosterone, DHEA, things like that, which it is your testosterone that produces your estrogen. That's your precursor. So some women will be on very small doses of testosterone to help that production or to feed that pathway, right? Um, It's very rare that we find women need that testosterone. It's really, again, just showing us the deficiencies in those pathways. And as we begin to write that, oftentimes they can remove the testosterone, remove the DHA and hold just onto the estrogen progesterone. And some will stay on it for periods of time and others will use it for shorter periods just to kind of reset the system or kind of remind the body that it can produce these hormones, right? In, 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 uh, In coordination with the physiological regulation, right? The production of those hormones. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks a million different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. The the higher we go up the pyramid, the more individualized it. Well, obviously it's all individualized depending on what's going on, but you know, that bottom, there are that hierarchy or those foundations that we need to lay, but then it depends how the body is responding and what's going on and what works and what doesn't for each individual woman. Yeah. Another big conversation that, you know, people are hearing these days is iron saturation, right? And the tissues, it's a huge conversation. And I speak to this only because there's one, there's one of our new, uh, a new student of ours who is very young and has already been on hormone replacement uh, birth control pills for nine years. And um, same thing was very true for me. I was, I was on hormone uh, birth control pills from a very young age to regulate my cycles because they were so intense. Um, I was also on Accutane for many years. So I, you know, again, on top of everything else, it was just like a layering effect. Right. But birth control pill, things like that kind of absolutely rob you of any level of vitamin A retinol stored in the body resources that you have, which is going to deplete that bioavailable copper right? And we need copper in order to be able to access ceruloplasmin in order to access oxygen, that key component to energy production, right? But we need minerals to do that. So oftentimes um, women who are in menopause or haven't been cycling for times, sometimes just doing a blood donation can help kind of reset that system. Um, for menopausal women, again, and that's at the end, that's the end goal there. Don't go out donating women. Not all, you're not ready for it. There's a building process here, right? So it's again, that regulation, that mineral replenishment. And then again, to help support that whole recycling system to reduce that inflammatory burden, that can be definitely a power tool for a lot of women in menopause who can't, who no longer have the ability to, Ex- uh, get rid of that blood to dump that blood, that iron. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. 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 The iron is, comes up a lot. Uh, I get asked about it a lot and I just direct straight to, (laughs) straight to you, to you guys, to, to the, um, it's a very interesting thing. You know, it's, it's always been a piece of our work, but I think, you know, Morley specifically, Morley Robbins has really brought it to a whole nother level of understanding for people, right? Including ourselves, right? We more deeply understand it and, and its role in inflammation and its role in depleting, well, in mineral depletion that we see so freak. I mean, I would say that a majority of people are malnourished in that way at this stage of the game and in this country, nation, this, you know, across the borders, <laughs> we're seeing this, you know, especially with, again, the onset of the pandemic and all the things that have taken place over the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. It's very excessive right now. You're talking about the mineral deficiencies, the mineral deficiencies. Yes. Because they're a part of that chronic stress, right? You can't, you can't separate one from the other. It's just how long have we been in it? And because we've been so confused for so long, I think most of us have been in it for 30, 40 years depending yeah. on how, old. and if we are coming, if we're 20, then mom was in it for many years and we're coming in already deficient, which is setting us up for, you know, some pretty severe metabolic imbalances. It's, yeah. It blows my mind. The amount of 20 year olds we work with nowadays. Oh, blows my mind. no one talks about like the before, you know, <laughs> the before, like the birth, the conception, the mom, you know, and mm-hmm. the state of state of mom. Um, and yeah, how that could impact, um, you know, like us and our physiology yes. and that connection to me is so fascinating. It's, and it's so, it's such a big piece of the conversation. You know, I just, I, I know for me, it's, just, I'm, I'm not always looking there, but it definitely is always very highlighted in you know, the people that I'm working with, like, I see it right away, you know, and I think that that's been part of my own process is like, and that when I, you know, I think I've shared with you before that at this point, I think I was about six or seven years into, you know, applying these concepts of cellular energy and and production and whatnot. It was like, it was so trans, it was such a huge, it, it was such a game change. It was just changed my life. You know what I mean? And we begin to see things and begin, once you begin to regulate, you begin to replenish. And as you begin to replenish, you begin to um, process things in a very different way. There's such a level of resiliency. There's such a calmness. There's such a safetyness that, okay, well, now I can go a little bit deeper. I can understand a little bit deeper. And that's what took me on that journey all the way back to my mom and, Mm -hmm. you know, and understanding her and where do I come from and, you know, settling into my body and calming all that noise and observing my family from a wider perspective, like, Oh shit. (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs) We got some big decisions to make here, you know, like, I want to take all the good and all that other stuff. I've got to learn how to do in a new way, you know, and that was, those are the hard pieces. Like, how do we begin to do this in a new way, you know? And, but that's the beauty of it. And that's why we don't have to, you know, right now we have so many women and people who are digging into trauma. They're, they're just going straight for it, you know? And I, I, I caution you against that, You know, I think that the first step is to support yourself and the effects that's having on you. And as you begin to build, and I I speak to this because it has a ton to do with hormones, right? As we were saying earlier, 
Um, as you do that, your ability to process, your ability to retain, your ability to observe in gentle ways and, and, and move through these pieces more gently versus attacking them. We don't get to do that. And I don't think people understand that. We don't get to go tackle those pieces that we are aware of of trauma, right? Even if they were to come up in a session and we don't, we're not mindful of them, if we start working on them, holy hell, you can send the whole system back into that trauma state. You know, yeah. and that's what people aren't realizing right now because there's such a lack of resiliency and they're, they're going into these deeper spaces that they're not ready for, you know, yeah. and I get it that we want, we want it yesterday, right? <laughs> We're just going to go straight for the, the, the hardest part. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you how many people I've talked to and they're just like, I don't understand what happened. I'm like, well, what have you been doing? It's like, well, it's just like, you know five energy sessions last week. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I've just been uncovering 20 years of trauma (laughs) in the last month. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, So pace it, right? Even if you are wanting to get into it for support every couple of weeks, every three weeks, four weeks, give it a lot of space to allow that integration to take place. Yeah. I just, I don't think, again, we're not taught that something like that takes so much energy. So like so much energy. Uh, And if we don't have that, well, then we're just in a greater deficit because the body needs to like get it from somewhere to keep going. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And, but a lot of people might relate to that in emotional situations, how fatigued you feel after, right? It's just, you're completely conked out, right? Well, times that by a thousand when you start digging into that stuff and don't have the resiliency for it. Yeah. 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 I talk about with the women that I work with all the time. Like if I am preparing to do, we could say this podcast, even, you know, if this is something that you're not super comfortable with, the the mind is going to think about it. So even on a subconscious level, the mind is like going. So that's like leaking energy out of you. Oh, I know, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) But like women don't even think about this. It's like, if you're going to go and like, do something or a presentation or like whatever the energy that is required from you to do that, especially if it's a little bit stressful, Mm -hmm. it's a lot. So where is like the, where is the building to that? Where's the recovery from that? You know, we just go from the next thing to the next thing and the next thing. Um, Yes. Yeah. So anything else that you want to talk through about this topic? I don't think, I I don't think, I think we had a lot of really good things and points around, you know, what we want, what, for me, what I want women to hear and to consider, right? We always want to go for the complicated stuff, the hormones, the things like that first, right? We want to make it really sexy. I think, you know, there's a couple of things. I think I wrote them down. Let me just check really quickly because there are a few things I didn't want to forget. Um, One of the other things that we've been using a lot lately with women very successfully, and we can't quite connect to the science behind it is, um, you know, for women who do have pretty severe cycles, right? Um, Castor oil packs Mm -hmm. have been very profound. So that is another tool for women that can, they can access. Um, I think that that's really been quite a profound tool. And again, I know it helps to support, you know, obviously inflammation. There's a lot of digestive biofilm factors with helping to regulate bacteria in the gut and and restore proper digestion, things like that. You know, it can be used for fibroids, but um, 
And I think that is the component, right? I think that there's so much going down in the reproductive organs where the ovaries, mm-hmm. you know, the uterus, you've got all your digestive organs. There's just so much inflammation there um, during these times of our cycle for women who especially have very heavy cycles or severe PMS, that can be a really powerful support tool. So aside from all the other stuff, just to kind of peacefully lay with a castor oil pack can be very supportive as well. Oh, yeah. Super interesting. And you do a piece on that in your program, don't yes. you? Yeah. Yes, we yeah. do. Yes. Yeah. So um, no, but I think as far as the key components of where we really want to go with this, what's the stress, the mineral deficiencies, the things that are all upstream that are working to affect those hormones is where we want to go. Okay. Where, where we want our attention. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we covered a lot. There was a lot in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think we're good. No, that was really fun though. I really enjoyed the conversation. You um, express and articulate yourself beautifully. You're good at this. You're a pro. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. The, I think the biggest takeaways for me uh, was earlier in our conversation when you said like we're in control of our hormones. Like I just love that. I it's think so true. Yeah. It's it's really cool uh, mm. to, to know that. Um, and then yeah. the second thing is that is the foundation piece. You know, it runs, it runs right through our whole entire life, you know, whole and it's, it's this practice. It's, it's a life practice. It's, um, it is, it is. And I don't want anyone to shy away from it because it feels so big, right? <laughs> Again, you know, with us, it's, it's looking, it's breaking it down. It's prioritizing. And if, if you're again, really looking at yourself and taking a step back and saying, okay, well, what is working and what isn't working? And we all have that one thing that's just kind of always bugging us. Like, oh, I just wish I could change that. Or I wish I could do something different or do it differently. Like we all have that, right? Go there. Just that yeah. one little thing and just shift one little piece about, because I say that because these little changes that we're making with people, they're so small, but they pack a punch. Like they're powerful because for that person, that is what's holding them back, right? That is what's interfering. So it doesn't have to be a million changes at one time. It's just getting specific and committing to it, right? What do you want? How do you want your days to go? How do you want your life to be? Yeah. Then create it. And start with the second you wake up in the morning. And if you start with the second you wake up in the morning and how do you want to enter each day and create an environment like that? And maybe it's not the 20, 30, 45 hour minute, you know, don't, you don't have that amount of time, but what time do you have? Stay in what you can do and what you do have versus what isn't and what you can't do, right? That's no place to be right now. Right. It's all in that. But then you start there and you begin to go, okay, well, then you move through your day. And how do you create that fluidity? How do you have what you need for yourself when you need it? Right. What kind of planning do you need to do the day before? The more you're kind of aware of what's coming and you're preparing for that, the less of those extremes you're going to have throughout the day. And you're going to be able to take some of that burden, that concern, that worry, that self-talk, all those crazy things that we do all day long, right? Running and chasing our tails because we have not prepped. We have not planned. We have not stopped to take a breath or think about what we need or how we feel. We just keep going, right? Yeah. We're going to get there that way. Yeah. 
it makes me think of uh, one of my women that I work with. Uh, we actually set a little project for her to her her space was chaotic. Her environment was so messy. So every she woke up in a messy bedroom. She went to a messy kitchen, and it was just so stressful. So we actually started there of like, I said, okay, you know, you pick a few times uh, a week at nighttime where for half an hour, put on a favorite show, like something that you just like love and just go into your bedroom and just start tidying up your bedroom space. Um, And that has helped her so much. Her bedroom is nearly um, you know, clear and she mm-hmm. feels more grounded. She doesn't feel as chaotic. Uh, and sometimes it's not the thing that we think that we need to work on, you know, it often, very rarely yeah, is. <laughs> we always focus on like the food and the training and obviously they're important, but sometimes we need to look at those other metrics. We need to yeah. look at our environment. And if our, we walk into the kitchen every morning or we go to bed at night and the kitchen is a mess, it's going to leak energy on that subconscious level. It's going to create stress. And so we might need to just maybe tidy our bedroom to start off with. That might be our one little thing that we do. Um, Power tool. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And and I can't tell you how many conversations, first consultations I've had with people and none of it's been about nutrition. None of it. (laughs) And they're so relieved when it hasn't been right. It's like, and I always make somebody, I always ask somebody to describe their life and their experience in one word, you know? And oftentimes it's rushed, it's chaotic, right? Those are usually, that's usually the feedback that I get. Okay. And I said, well, then food's not our main issue right now. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Creating, you know, getting a, getting a a grip on day-to-day stuff is where we'll begin. Right. And just going back to how am I waking up and and what's the day look like? Where do I need to be? Yeah. When, right. So um, yeah, lots of opportunity. Okay. Okay. Let's, um, Let's continue forward with our own missions now. I'm sure that yes. you have a, yeah, you're on your, you're on your mission. I just want to thank you for your time again. I'm yes. so, yeah, I'm just thank so grateful for, having me. for your knowledge, for your time, for the work that you do. This is going to be a gem in a minute. I get you. Yeah. What's that? This is going to be a gem of an episode. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to, I'm excited for it. Yes. Let me know. You'll let me know when it I'll comes I'll let out. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. All right. Thank Amy's you so, so much. Good. Thank you. All right. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Have a nice afternoon. Thank you. You do the same. Okay. Bye. Bye. Warrior Woman, you can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Please give it love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another warrior woman. Also, tag me in it on Instagram with your biggest takeaways.